0: Sifter, for the ear. News, News, interviews, interviews, reviews,
1: reviews, cinema, cinema, TV, TV, streaming. streaming. Action! Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. Today's show is jam-packed with four separate interviews on some pretty cool subjects, including two Halloween-themed festivals, an online video publisher, and free little libraries for VHS and DVD.
2: Sifter, review of the week:
1: Athena, on Netflix. After the release of a video showing police killing a young Algerian boy, the titular and fictional neighborhood erupts in an angry protest. The action revolves around three of the boy's brothers, each of whom has different goals, from stopping the riots to ramping up the violence. While the subject certainly remains relevant, it's the impressive skills of director Romain Gavras that gives the film its bravura. He's the son of Costa Gavris, best known for Z and Missing, and his ability to create drama out of chaos is simply brilliant. While some of the scenes do go on too long, Gavris' impressively staged riot scenes, especially the extended opening sequence, and the probing camera that offers human insight combine to create a stirring story with ominous consequences. I gave it four out of five stars. I was strolling through the museum district a while back and ran across a lackluster video bin with VHS tapes and DVDs for taking or leaving. Turns out Richmond was the first city on the East Coast to open free blockbuster bins. I'm going to talk about the concept with founder Brian Morrison out in L.A. Now, we've all heard blockbuster. So, Brian, what is free blockbuster?
0: A free blockbuster is like a blockbuster video store in that there are movies, but it is unlike a blockbuster video store in that it is free, much like the little free libraries you've seen, probably right, right where you can leave a book or take a book. We are free blockbusters where you can leave a movie or take a movie. So where did this idea come from? How did it start? My friend Nick had just made a short film about working at Blockbuster. My friend Miriam was moving to New York City. And had a bunch of movies and was not going to take them to New York City. And the third thing that was happening is that LA Weekly, our free weekly here in Los Angeles, and they were shutting down physical distribution, or at least they weren't going to distribute in curbside newspaper boxes anymore. But the new owners, rather than removing those boxes, as one might suggest by a permit holder, just left them there. And I thought, well, it'd be fun if we could make one of these empty LA weekly boxes into like a little free movie library. So Miriam could put all her movies in there and people could just take them if they wanted them. And then the first free blockbuster that I'm aware of was born. And then it spread. How did
1: it spread from there?
0: First free blockbuster that popped up that wasn't in Los Angeles was um, in Oklahoma city. And then shortly after um, another free blockbuster appeared in Oakland, In like March of 2020, the first free blockbuster in Richmond, Virginia, which was the first free blockbuster on the East Coast, was founded. So they've actually
1: been here for two years. You just have to kind of know where they are in order to find them.
0: I mean, all locations are listed on our website at freeblockbuster.org. We have a map. What are the
1: reports you hear from Richmond? I mean, do, do anybody ever tell you, yeah, we got 20 in and 50 out or on its own and you really don't know whether it's successful or whether people are doing hundreds or five?
0: In Richmond specifically or in general?
1: Well, in general, but in Richmond, because that's where we are. But I didn't, I don't know if you get reports back from your boxes or if they're just on their own.
0: We have a very sort of decentralized philosophy, right? So there's no mandate to report back what's happening. But a lot of our founders and our managers like to create social media sites or even their own websites. Sure. And talk about what they're doing. And as a collective, we keep up on that. Now, in Richmond, Virginia, Free Blockbuster RBA, their innovation was the take a movie, leave a movie sticker. The fellow that was running Free Blockbuster RVA, he moved out of the area. Those locations, as far as I know, are still there. I don't know if they're being maintained and if so, by who. But there is Lackluster Video, which has also popped up in RBA. And Lackluster Larry, of course, runs that franchise, even though it's differently named. We do consider it a free blockbuster franchise.
1: And unfortunately, I was never able to get a hold of Lackluster Larry. So you were kind enough to do this for me. It
0: does not cost anything to participate in free blockbuster. You can uh, make it out of whatever you want. You can put whatever movies you have, as long as they're not hateful or pornographic, into the free blockbuster. You don't have to spend a dime. You can hand decorate your box because our mission is really... To combat the myth of scarcity by providing free entertainment to as many people as possible.
1: So I want to thank you again, Brian. Uh, It's been very interesting. I might even venture down there and check out some of those myself next time I'm in the museum area.
0: Well, I would love it if you would go check them out and let me know how they're looking. If they need some love, you know, and if you if 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 they do need a manager, perhaps you have a listener in the Richmond, Virginia area who's interested in being a A free Blockbuster manager.
1: All right. Thank you very much,
0: Brian. Thank you so much, Jerry.
1: That was Brian Morrison, founder of Free Blockbuster, which makes DVDs and VHSs available in bins around Richmond and all over the country. The webpage for this show will feature a link to find them on a map. (laughs) Now let's get into the Halloween mood with two film festivals. The Magic of Horror Festival features films. Well, well, that's kind of obvious. It started in 2016 as a screenwriting competition, but has grown into a full-fledged festival. I'm talking with one of the founders, Laurie Folley. So, Laurie, the name of this festival is The Magic of Horror. Now, that's kind of a weird combination of words, horror and magic. Where did that concept come from? This is a horror festival,
3: and what we wanted to spotlight in terms of this fest is what it is that makes horror so special, so good. And there is something magical about really good horror. It takes you to a different place. So, how did this get started, and who started it? It was started by my film company business partner and I, Shiva Rodriguez.
1: So, are you judging? Who do you have a? Do you have a panel of judges? How do you determine which ones are the winners?
3: We have a panel of judges. Uh, Shiva and I do not do any of the judging ourselves. Um, what we have is a group of people who represent a cross section of the industry. We have a horror novelist. Several filmmakers. We have people who have never made films in their lives, but who just love horror films.
1: Right, right. So you get a cross section. When does it take place and where? I'm assuming it's like a traditional festival where people can go and screen the films in the venue.
3: Yes. um, We are November 5th and 6th this year at the Firehouse Theater. Doors open at one each day, the films are divided into blocks. You can buy a ticket for the day
1: or a two-day pass. So how do you break the uh, screenings down? Do you have categories or you just show the films randomly? Well, we do have categories, but
3: we haven't broken them down in terms of categories. There's not like a serial killer block, a slasher block, a horror comedy block. Right. But there are blocks that are short films. There are two feature films that are going to be screening. Uh, we have a block of Virginia films on Saturday. We we did collect all of the Virginia films and put them together. Great. There is a trophy for best Virginia film as well as the, a trophy for best film. We added that category this year. We have blocks that are trailers because we offer we have a film trailer award. How have you seen the festival grow and change
1: in the six years since you started?
3: We started as an online-only festival. And then about three years in, we decided that we really would like to, wanted to turn this into an actual fest where the films could be screened. My business partner, Shiva, is in Florida. I'm in Virginia. There are a ton of horror film festivals in Florida, but there wasn't really anything in Richmond and in the Virginia area. I'd worked tech on a show at Firehouse, so I knew I liked Firehouse. I approached Firehouse and we managed to make an arrangement that worked out for both of us. And that is how the festival ended up up here in Virginia. I guess this will be our third live season. The whole pandemic thing.
1: Screwed everybody up. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Our first live season was 2019. And it was extremely well attended. It was fantastic. Our second live season should have been 2020. It did not happen. Right. So in 2021, we moved from a one-day festival to a two-day festival screened the 2020 films on Saturday and the 21 films on Sunday, which brings us now to 2022. And we kept the two-day format so that we could accept more films. We've been getting more and more films. We get upwards of 300 films submitted each season.
1: So have any of the films that you've screened earlier in the festival's history gone on to become like famous or something people might have seen somewhere or heard of?
3: Not on a big screen blockbuster. But many of them are, because a lot of them are shorts, they are streaming on some of the shorts channels right now. We're not looking for the blockbuster films here. Right. We're looking to support the indie filmmaker and the indie film industry. And many of them have gotten distribution and are, like I said, out on the streaming services.
1: One very important question I should ask you up front, what's your favorite horror film?
3: There are so many But I think the film that most impacted me and most kind of impacted my decision to be really involved in horror was House of a Thousand Corpses.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, It's interesting you say that because Rob Zombie's new film just dropped on uh, Netflix and I reviewed it. It's a new version of The Monsters and it's terrible. Oh, no. Uh, Oh, yeah. It's pretty lame. But anyway... Um, (laughs) My favorite, I'd have to say, probably the original Texas Chainsaw Mask.
3: Oh, yeah, that's another good one.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's
3: another good one. And I'm glad that you said the original because... Of course.
1: Oh, Lord, yeah. The Tony Hooper only, yeah.
3: One thing that I didn't mention was something about our judging process. We do something that I don't know of very many other festivals that do this. Whether or not a film is selected, every single submission gets their judges' cards with judges notes. Wow. So they get feedback from the judges. And one thing we really wanted was for filmmakers to feel like they got something out of this festival, other than just the chance for their films to go be screened on the screen and for everybody to come hang out and talk about the films.
1: Congratulations on a festival that's been running quite a few years already and growing every year. But I want to thank you very much and good luck with the festival this year. Thank you so much, Jerry, and thanks for taking the time to talk to me. That was Laurie Foley, one of the co-founders of the Magic of Horror Festival, which runs November 5th and 6th at the Firehouse Theater. There's a link on the webpage for the show. Continuing with our Halloween theme, if you want to get more involved, there's the 48-hour horror film competition where you can make your own movie. So let's meet Lisa Giles, producer of the Richmond Festival. Lisa Giles, you have been working on the 48-Hour Film Project for quite a while. Tell us what that's about, and then we'll discuss how the horror version came about.
2: The 48-Hour Film Project is a global filmmaking competition that takes place in over 100 cities around the world. Wow. And teams sign up, take on the challenge to make a movie in 48 hours, and the movies screen, and each city has a best film. And that best film moves on to the grand finale, which is called Palooza, And that event is held in a different city each March.
1: They get a subject, a word, and an
2: object. Is that how it works still? Every team will receive a character, which is a name and occupation, a prop, which could be one year it was a knife and fork and spoon. Uh, this past summer, it was a bucket, a line of dialogue, which must be said verbatim and a genre, which could be anything from comedy to horror. So the one that we have coming up starting next Friday, actually in one week, is horror-specific. So there are sub-genres within horror, such as psychological horror or...
1: Maniac with a machete type. Exactly, exactly,
2: (laughs) that type stuff. So how long has the
1: 48-Hour Project been around?
2: The 48-Hour Film Project originally started in Washington, D.C., and that was, I believe we're on year 22.
1: You mean this is year 22?
2: Either 22 or 23, something like that, for the for the international competition. It has been in Richmond now for 17 years. Right. Horror-specific competition, this will be Richmond's third horror-specific competition.
1: Cool. And now, is there anything different about the horror competition from the regular, other than obviously the theme and the style of movie to make?
2: It's pretty much
1: the exact same thing. So how do teams come together and how do they find actors?
2: That is a fabulous question because every team does it differently. Some teams, they come with their team intact.
1: They've got a director, a DP, uh, actors, and they're ready to go
2: all of that. But some teams have none of that and they network (laughs) within the 48. It's really fun, especially to see those teams and what their film comes out on the end and to hear their stories of how the project evolves, you know, where they didn't know anybody and all of a sudden they're the best of friends and, you know, they become lifelong friends for years and years and years.
1: Right, right.
2: We have networking events where they can meet each other and we hold auditions uh, for the actors and so we try as best as we can to pair people.
1: It's really fascinating because they have to come up with a script, they have to shoot it, and they have to edit it all from Friday evening to Sunday evening.
2: All of that.
1: And if they're even a minute late turning it in, it's out the window, right?
2: Well, it's out the window for judges awards. Okay. If it is received by Sunday night midnight, we will still accept it and it can be eligible for an audience favorite award.
1: And how many times has somebody missed that deadline? Do you know?
2: The average is 20% of the participating films. Let me tell you, though, I got to brag about Richmond because Richmond is competitive and they're sharp. When
1: does this year's 48 Horror Film Project actually begin? And then when can people see the finished products?
2: The project kicks off on Friday, October 21st at 6 o'clock at Buffalo Wild Wings. That's where all the teams will get their required elements. They will screen at Bowtie Movie Land, uh, right in Scott's Edition on Arthur Ashe Boulevard on October 30th. We have two groups. One premieres on October 30th at 1, and then the second group premieres at 4 o'clock, and then they are narrowed down to the top 10 best of, and we have the award ceremony on November 6th at Bowtie at 2 o'clock.
1: Well, it sounds like lots will be going on to get ready for Halloween, to get everybody really scary. So I want to thank you for joining us today, and we'll look forward to hearing about some of those crazy adventures around town. Thanks, Jerry. That was Lisa Giles, producer of Richmond's 48-Hour Horror Competition. Their links on the webpage at TV Jerry. RVA Mag has been chronicling the alternate scene of Richmond's art and politics since 2005. Now we're going to talk to Anthony Harris, the founder of the 17-year-old publication, about their new venture into video. RVA Magazine started in 2005 and you started it. What was your crazy idea behind, let's start a publication?
4: I graduated in 2002 at VCU and then got into the gallery scene. I felt like there was a lot of artists that I knew that weren't getting any coverage at all. Kind of new generation of artists, musicians, business owners, just a lot of people in their 20s that wanted to create their own Richmond. There was no alternative to the alternative. Right. You know, I worked on a couple of magazines before that uh, called Chew on This and, you know, worked on a few zines and fell in love with publications. I love print. Yeah, social media was the way people were connecting and getting their information. And it just felt like a really good opportunity because I wasn't gonna beat the publications in print run. And I actually went and applied at Style Weekly to write art show reviews or just be kind of a man on the street and because I didn't have my masters. And yeah, admittedly, I wasn't the best writer. I just had a lot of energy. they told me I couldn't work there. Jim Wark, who was the publisher of Style, he had a talk at a place called C3, which was kind of a creative incubator. Right. I remember and that. He would talk about publishing. And I just kind of ran with that idea. And we would throw these art parties to essentially pay for the magazine and somehow 17 years later, it's still here. It's amazing. It's been that long. So when did
1: it go from print copies to all digital? Was that uh, right at COVID or did it happen before COVID?
4: Um, Our last issue so far, and I'd love to do another issue or do print again, starting in the spring, was the spring of 2020. So we put out a magazine March, 2020, and then everything shut down. So it's still been
1: going along fine online and you still publish every week, correct? uh yeah we
4: publish stories every day monday through friday
1: online right right And, and what i get is the email newsletter that comes out every thursday or friday with kind of highlights from the week that we can go back and click
4: on right yes the newsletter goes through and just sends out all the articles from the week right
1: so when did you decide hey let's get into video let's
4: create rva mag tv when the pandemic hit you know i took a trip to see my son my son is in sonoma california Along that trip, I took a whole month and started taking video of him and taking photos of our trip. And I just thought, wow, that'd be great if I can get into that. So 2021, I teamed up with Joey Wharton, who is probably the best or most well-known event photographer in town. I learned how to edit. I learned how to shoot. And I probably did about 50 to 60 videos, music videos, corporate Little documentaries. Video was such a huge part of the pandemic. Right, right. You know, people watch video like crazy. And so it just kind of tipped over and it made sense for me to bring my experience with the mag before and my experience now with video and incorporate the two. So really, it's just been distributing content that has been created in and around Virginia and consolidating it onto one platform.
1: The subjects you mentioned working with artists to promote their work is it going to be news based or when you say promote their work you don't mean you're actually doing a promotional video for them you're just explaining who they are and what they do and then if people want to contact them they can
4: yeah it's a lot of um content based around music art social
1: justice gay rva magazine which I actually used to write reviews for a few years back was merged into RVA Mag. So is Gay RVA a part of RVA Mag
4: TV, or is it still its own little thing? Yeah, it's all wrapped in there together. Gay RVA, in I think in 2011, Kevin Clay, he started it, and he had developed the first LGBTQIA media in Virginia that I knew about. I ended up buying it, and over time, it just became really natural to blend all the content kind of together.
1: So tell me what your production process is, is It pretty lean and mean. Do
4: you have a several crews or how does it work? Uh, really? It's lean and mean. I mean, it's a lot of independent filmmakers that can do content on their own and they really need distribution. My role, you know, outside of creating my own stuff is to identify talent, figure out how I can help them and get their content to a wider audience to support uh, the artists that are in town, the creatives in town, because ultimately that is the mission of the magazine. And I just think it's healthy for the city.
1: So if somebody is a video professional and they're maybe still trying to get their feet wet and they think this might be a good opportunity, they could contact you to actually say, hey, can I have an assignment? And then you'd say, hey, go cover this story or something. Is that is that a possibility for somebody who might be interested?
4: Yeah, yeah, that's happening now. Like, you know, we've had really good video coverage of the RV Street Art Festival. But I think the, the idea of video production is changing. Right. You know, the things that are really effective are really short. Absolutely. Yeah. 10 seconds, 15 second clips. I want to be the center of that also. If you are talking about assignment wise, it's usually, hey, get a few clips and we're going to put together a 10 second to 15 second thing to really just give an overview of an event. All of these pieces, are they that short? What's the longest you'll let one of the pieces be? We had uh, Robot Apocalypse, which was 30 minutes plus. But most of the stuff is probably less than five minutes. Okay. I think our highest clip has gotten over 80,000, and that was like 10 seconds. And then we probably average about 40,000 views on those clips. Wow. Wow. That's amazing that
1: they don't really get a whole lot of information in 10 seconds. I guess it's to
4: drive them to another piece or to an article or something. Let's take, for example, the RVA Street Art Festival. In the past, we would take images from that article and post them to Instagram. Right. And then with a the link back to the website. Uh, this time, we posted uh, a caption from the article to Instagram and then put a 10-second recap video on top. That recap video got 47,000 views and it drove a lot of traffic to the website
1: right right you're now in season two is anything different about season two anything you learned from season one that you've adapted or changed for season two or made
4: better well the number one thing is we redesigned the website right so that launched last week you know having put up probably 60 to 70 pieces of content on our youtube reading the analytics seeing what people are watching how long they're watching for season two i'd really like to get more short films they did the best Right. So I'm reaching out to a number of different artists. So really, the key artists that I want to talk to are people that are doing stuff on a professional level as much as they can. And maybe they have a professional job doing video already, but they have these side projects that they love. Sure. Right. Or they have a a short film they released last year that. You know, it kind of had its run. Does that make sense? Like they already put sure, the vegetables. Yeah, right, right. I mean, what is it doing now? It's just sitting there, right? Yeah, yeah. So I would love to get that kind of stuff and put it to a bigger audience, put it to our audience. I hope it's a creative fun house. So I just want to round this up to make sure
1: I understand RVA Mag TV is open to contributions. It's not just a news source like a TV station goes out and does a news story and airs it. You're soliciting content from anybody and then you're going to also do your own content is that correct
4: yeah i want to keep it virginia right i'm really interested in in opening doors for virginia filmmakers so if you're a creative person in virginia you want to be a writer photographer uh illustrator you want to be a director Uh, they all
1: want to be a director (laughs) yeah come talk to me
4: (laughs) yeah so
1: i always like to ask people what are you watching Other than these 10 second videos, when you get a chance to sit down and watch maybe
4: a 30 minute show or an hour show or a movie. I just uh, watched True Detective season one again. Oh, okay. Going for the oldies. I want to dig back into the wire. Oh, Um, wow. Okay. I'm watching Rings of Power on Amazon.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm trying to.
4: It's okay. Yeah, I appreciate everybody supporting the MAG for this long. I can't believe it's been around 17 years and I think it's stronger than ever. If you look around... We're the only media in town covering uh, music and art as much as
1: we are. Absolutely. And I read it every week, and I've enjoyed it for uh, probably since the beginning. And I appreciate all the work you do, Tony. And we will look forward to seeing more from
4: RVA Mag TV. Well, I want to say thank you, TV Jerry. Thank you for contributing. You know, I remember getting the, the movie reviews from you. And I just really appreciate what you've done in the community.
1: Well, thank you. That was Anthony Harris, founder of RVA Magazine. A link to their website is on the webpage for this show at tvjerry.com. Coming soon in theaters. Black Adam, the DC Universe's latest superhero, played by Dwayne Johnson. Ticket to Paradise... George Clooney and Julia Roberts are reunited as a divorced couple trying to persuade their daughter not to get married. Raymond and Ray, which was shot in Richmond, stars Ethan Hawke and Ewan McGregor as half-brothers at their father's funeral. My Policeman, yet another film starring Harry Styles. In this one, he plays a cop who's having an affair with a woman and a man. Paul's Promise, the true story of a firefighter turned pastor. American Murderer, also based on a true story about a con man. TV and streaming... American Horror Story, New York, on Fox and Hulu, the 11th installment of this series. The Peripheral, on Amazon Prime, Chloe Grace Moret stars as a woman who discovers a secret connection to an alternate reality. The Hair Tales, on Hulu, a documentary about black women's hair. Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities, on Netflix. The famous director assembled some other directors to each create their own short thriller. That's all for this week. This is Jerry Williams. Thanks for listening.
2: For more sister, including literally thousands Thousands of reviews, reviews.
1: visit tvjerry.com.
2: That's
4: a wrap.